Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Green Jeans. Uh, We are a podcast that talks about important environmental and social justice issues from a generational lens. And I am your one co-host, Annika Van Rossum, joined by her mother, Maya Van Rossum. And if you can't tell, we are a mother-daughter duo, and that's why we do this generational perspective, because I am a, as we say, budding activist. (laughs) My mom is a lifelong activist who's been doing it for many more years than me. So that's what this show is about. And we always try and talk about some important and serious issues, but don't get down about them. By the end of the podcast, you should be inspired to take action in any way possible. And that is our goal. So don't be sad, be inspired. That should be our like our tagline. <laughs> don't be sad, be inspired. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But, but the other thing to say about my daughter, besides being a budding activist, is she's a pretty awesome person, man. I really like my daughter. <laughs> we have a good time together. So we decided we have fun conversations and we should share them with the world. So there you go. So Annika, got a fact check this year. Oh, this year. <laughs> oh man. We I guess I'm re- we haven't I'm hit ready. our year anniversary yet. <laughs> I'm ready for 2022 to be over. I'm a little bit frightened about how the election is going to go in November. Maybe I'm trying to get oh, past that and Hope that we land in a good place, not a bad place. Yeah, agreed. Well, what's your fact check for this week? All right, (laughs) my fact check. So this was actually something that I learned like in the last year or two. So um, that the earthworms that we find here in North America are not native. Oh, what? Yeah, now... I know that when I'm digging around in the garden, the earthworms that I find now seem much larger and fatter than the earthworms that I found when I was young. So I sort of seen a difference and that prompted me to to ask that question at some point. Um, And so I don't really know the difference between the earthworms of today, at least where I'm gardening and the earthworms from when I was a child, but I, I, I know that the change didn't happen in the interim because I'm here looking at um, ecosystemsontheedge.org. Uh, this is where I decided to look up this fact check. And they actually say that almost every earthworm in the US came from somewhere else. And that native earthworms all but disappeared more than 10,000 years ago. Oh, a few survived further south, they say, but today virtually all earthworms, certainly north of Pennsylvania, and we're in Pennsylvania, are actually non-native. And they came, for example, um, in the, as root balls or in root balls, that were brought over from Europe or other places or um, in the dry ballast of ships from European places like Britain and France and Spain and Holland. Um, Anyway, so there you go. I mean, like I said, I don't know the difference between why the the ones I find in my garden are bigger and fatter than when I was young, but I, have now discovered that all earthworms are non-native. 
So that is, but it looks like they became non-native because um, of the glaciers from a Plasticine ice age. So a yeah. little bit different than most of right the uh, extinction stories that we face these days where human activity is the cause. Um, looks like it might've been natural, but now the proliferation of non-native species is very much due to human activity. If you are a person who knows a lot about earthworms and wants to come talk to us about it, let us know at Green Jeans Pod on Instagram because I'm curious now. Yeah, it's a good one, right? The other one is, um, uh, the other thing, and I'm going to make this a future fact check. The other thing too is uh, praying mantises. Oh, yeah. Right, that there are, so yeah. So if you know about praying mantises too, is it that there's talk to you. There's two kinds though, like there's a native and a non-native one, or they're both not native. I think that there's two kinds, and I think that the non-native eats the native. Yeah, so it's a problem. I love praying. And a lot of it has to do right with people and those uh those uh butterfly. Oh yeah, don't buy a butterfly kit. Don't do that. Yeah, that's the that that's how a lot of bad, bad stuff happens, man. Thank God. I remember Opa got me one for like my birthday when I was little and I was just too lazy to fill out the, like I'm six. I'm too lazy to fill out the like packaging instructions and didn't want to go ask you for whatever reason. So I never ended up getting one. So thank goodness. Thank yeah, goodness. Opa, <laughs> I'm sure that Opa meant well and didn't know. Um, but yeah, I think I actually found it in your room years later. And I was like <laughs> mildly actually very horrified yeah um by that discovery but very pleased that your your natural inclination was to not do anything about it (laughs) I think I was like how do I gonna do with all these butterflies like I'm just gonna sit in my room so yeah parents school teachers don't buy those kids I'm sure there's ways that I'm sure there are ways now that one could do a butterfly kit and like be be good but the problem is for people who don't know like those butterflies whatever come it's not that they're not native I don't think but they usually have like diseases that then infect the the other ones so don't do it yeah do so bug. the way you do it is buy native plants <laughs> that are supportive yeah. of native butterflies from your region in fact we should have faith Zerbe on because mm. she does a lot of she goes out all the time and looks at the native plants in her garden and then she finds them and she actually takes the the chrysalis the butterfly chrysalises and she puts them in protective areas yeah so they're they're actually protected we should have her on that's we it should. that that'll be a good one yeah yeah More faith story shout out shout out um, faith shout out faith you're gonna be on a future show more of the story if you and your kids want to go look at butterflies and bugs plant good plants and go outside yeah (laughs) yeah all right all right so we've got a thrilling episode for you guys this week i hate to say thrilling because like they're not actually what we talk about we're gonna get you excited again to take activism so it's it's not thrilling um it's sad but we're going to talk about rodeos and circuses um, and what they are, our personal experiences with them, and, you know, just like some facts about the realities of what they are, because they're definitely sold to people as like things you take your kids to and oh, the animals are so happy. And anyone who's watched Dumbo, I feel like we all know Dumbo. And I think I haven't seen the new one. Oh, I got to see it. Um, the new Dumbo, I think 
I've been told does a good job of painting like the reality of circuses. Oh, really? New yeah. Dumbo? When did New Dumbo come out? It's got a CGI flying elephant and everything. So, I mean, wow. old Dumbo is also problematic because it's got like racist undertones. Um, oh. But apparently the new one does a good job of showing how bad circuses are. So that's cool. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. So yeah, circuses are bad. <laughs> At least animal circuses, right? Yeah. And, and, and I think that that's sort of where... I'm gonna I'm gonna begin where people I hope will will end. One, I hope they'll end with getting active on this issue. But two, if you want to go be entertained by cool tricks and things, go watch people do tricks. Go to something like Cirque du Soleil, and where the people are um, by their own choice being there and sharing the amazing talents that they have for all all different kinds of things. Don't go to the animal circus. Don't go to the rodeo. I don't know that there could be a Cirque de Rodeo. <laughs> um, yeah, because they are very abusive. So, Anika, how do you want to begin this conversation? Do you want to begin this conversation with the story of my awakening on circuses? Or do we shall we begin with how bad circuses and rodeos are? I think we should start with the awakening because I think something really important for everybody to understand is that a lot of times people, I think an important narrative that we all need to understand nowadays is that a lot of times people have an experience or grow to something and may not realize that it is inherently a bad thing because like you do have gets sold to you. Oh, the elephants are so happy. Oh, like the cows are doing a thing, whatever. So like if you've been to a rodeo or a circus and you're about to listen to this episode and you're like, they're going to make me feel so bad. Look, it's okay if you didn't know. We have both done an experience with a circus and a rodeo that we didn't know what it was and realize how bad it was until afterwards we do the research. Again, this is one of those things where you have to, if you've experienced these things and then you realize after the fact, all you can do is go forth in life and make better choices, encourage people to make those choices and be educated about. So don't feel bad about anything we're going to say as we're just about to share. We've had these experiences as well because that's what happens to people. So I feel like it's good for us to, to start with our experiences. So I think you should start with your awakening. Okay, my awakening. So, well, first off, <laughs> when I was in school, um, you know, going to the circus was often, often, I mean, relatively, you know, relatively often a school trip, right? And your parents would fill out the permission slip and send in their however much money and you would go with the school to the circus. Um, and I wasn't tons of times, but I went, right? And I don't, my, I never went with my family. I went there. And then when I was in college dating a guy who turned out to be your dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, which was not a mistake because I got you. So you're so awesome. Um, anyway, he uh, got us tickets to the circus and I thought, hey, that's cool, right? You know, and so I don't know, it was 19 years old or something, 20 years old. So we went to, we went to the circus and on the way in, there were activists out there handing out information. And so, you know, they, 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 they spoke to us a little bit and then they handed out some information and, and I took it and went into the circus and immediately started to read it and was just so horrified at myself 
that I didn't realize on my own that circuses were just innately abusive to animals because they were taking them out of their natural habitat, making them do unnatural tricks. And of course, traveling them around from town to town, of course, in unnaturally small little cages and spaces, because how are you going to get an elephant or a tiger or a bear onto a train? You're going to put them in a little cage and you're going to train them off for hours or truck them off for hours. Right. And so I was really horrified at what I, you know, you know, what I had was learning, but also again, horrified at myself that I hadn't been more mindful of this issue. And the next day I was talking to Oma, my mother, your grandmother, for anybody listening, Oma is Dutch for a grandmother. And, um, and I was telling her like about this and how we had gone to the circus and what had happened and that I couldn't believe this. And, and my mom said, oh yeah. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah. She said, you know, when I was growing up, Opa, meaning my Opa, meaning her father, meaning your great grandfather, she said, you know, my father would never let us go to the circus. And I said, really? She said, yeah, he never let us go because of how the animals were treated because of the abuse of the animals. And I said, mom, she signed off on my school permission slip. Yes. I said, mom, like, why did you never tell me? And why did you let me go? You know, and I, and I actually don't recall her answer. Um, but just this idea that, that my grandfather already knew this and wouldn't allow his children to go to the circus because of the abuse. Um, and that I wasn't aware of that was just horrifying. Now, for anybody listening, my mother was superbly awesome and always stood up for all things just. I mean, this, this woman, there was once somebody doing an attack. Um, she was waiting to cross the light with my father in the city of Philadelphia and apparently turned around and saw uh, somebody um, threatening another person with a knife. And my father recounted how he, how he looked over to my mother when the light changed and she was gone. And when he turned around, he saw her in the face of the guy with the knife yelling at him to like, stop it. And that was wrong. I mean, that's how brave my mother was. This is the first time I'm hearing this story. I mean, I believe it. You haven't heard that one? Oh boy. You know, but that is how brave my mother was. And that is how much she believed in standing up you know, for the, for, for people who were being put upon, I mean, just incredibly, and she wasn't an activist like you and I, she didn't go out and she was like the activist in the moment when she would see things. Um, and so that's why I think, and I, I almost think that maybe I don't remember her answer because maybe she sort of scuttled it away because maybe she was sort of upset with herself. I can also see it too. Like, as, as a mother, like your kid wants to go to this thing. And I'm sure like you're young and you're like, I'm going to get to go with my class and it's going to be so much fun. And I can see like, it's a hard position too, for a mother to be like, I'm going to make it so that you're excluded from this group activity, especially for like a young child who maybe won't process. Like, I'm sure you would knowing you. Well, I did. I didn't, there, there was at least one circus trip at school and one birthday party circus trip. Well, I'm saying if Oma sat you down and was like, 
Maya, yeah. this is why you would get it. But like when you're a yeah. kid, just at an event, like, yeah, you're not going to think about no. it. But I, I did prohibit you from going. That's what I'm saying. There was a school trip and a birthday party that you were excluded from. Oh, and you were told at I the time, <laughs> but you were, you were young. Yeah. And I I, it was like, you know, and, and, um, well, I think too, I wasn't going to make the same mistake that my I was going to say, like you had that experience. Yeah. So like, and knowing too, like at the, like how my whole life I've been super into animals, like I'm super thankful. Cause if you, if I oh. went and then I found that afterwards, I'm sure I'd be like in my room crying. Like, mom, what? yeah, no. And in fact, your father wanted to take you to the circus one time. And, um, and I said, no, and I don't even remember how I found out. And that's when we were, um, you know, still good friends, despite the fact that we weren't together. Um, a relationship that got turned around because of this woman that showed up and just ruined the tremendous friendship we had. Anyway, irrelevant, um, except for the fact that, you know, as you said, right, I didn't want you to have that regretfulness that I had. Um, and again, I think that my mom, I probably don't remember her response because I think she was probably felt badly herself in that moment. And, you know, and my mom grew as a person, she came over here when she was young and she had four kids and, um, you know, had, had, had a difficult time finding herself when she was younger for a whole boatload of reasons um, and didn't come into her own until a number of years later. So I think she was more inclined in those moments to maybe be goaded along, probably by her husband, my father, um, than she should have been otherwise. So it's sort of an interesting dichotomy. Anyway, that's my awakening story when it comes to circuses. And I've never been to a rodeo, so I don't have an awakening story there. So I will leave that to you. Well, so I think it's important for everyone to know too, then like, because of your experience, I had a birthday where like, I don't know if I like, or I don't know why, if I said I wanted to go to a circus or something, but I know like I wanted to do something for my birthday and you took me to a circus, but it was Cirque du Soleil with people. Yeah. And it was this whole thing. And I'm just going to say that was, I still remember it. The seats were cool. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. So if you're, and I was young, I think it was. Oh like, my God. But it was a great, that was a great show. You like are if you're, so right. If you're a parent that's thinking like, oh, my kid's not, I mean, obviously every kid is different, but like, oh, like if there's no animals, it's not going to be interesting. <laughs> I, that was the cool, like people contorting their bodies doing flips like it's just so cool and amazing and it's so Cirque du Soleil is great like it's just got so many awesome things and they dressed up a lot of them right a lot of the ca characters were animals so yeah. they were dressed up as animals. I got a little so. bird mask that I kept for like years I remember when we were moving and I was like we had to, like I was trying to get rid of stuff and you're like Annika do you want this like bird mask it was just like a flimsy piece of plastic but I was like it's from Cirque du Soleil like it wasn't it wasn't an expense it was like two dollars I was like but I love it yeah so it, it was, was really great. cool I don't think it was two dollars I don't think you can get anything at Cirque du Soleil okay, well, for two dollars then or now but nonetheless it was worth the investment you're right it wasn't the it wasn't the like a hand thing, but it was fun thing yeah. it was like a cool it was, it was cool. exciting yeah it was, so it was cool. great experience great birthday experience with my mom highly recommend um so if you're like, my kids aren't going to like it, if there's not animals, trust me, they will. Like, it's cool. Yeah.
it's very be people cool. animals people animals yeah um yeah so my and you know too i think like these are the things too that we learn as like you experience things or as like at the time too like i'm sure when you and dad went to like went to that circus like there probably wasn't as much of nowadays like PETA and those organizations like there's hundreds of those undercover tapes out now that people have so it's like way more in the public eye I think than it was like back then too and you really only had like the people with pictures and like unfortunately like not you I'm saying unfortunately you know like those people don't always get heard until like yeah like you actually are at the event and so but now like with the internet and all that like you see that stuff all the time like ringling bros we all know they suck um so yeah um and for me <laughs> my awakening so I had the circus awakening I've never been to an animal circus um you know never since those experiences never wanted to definitely have had friends be like the circus is in town should we go and I'm like nope and you shouldn't either um and my friends that question it I literally just send them like the PETA undercover tapes I'm like this is what you're supporting if you go just FYI um but it just goes to show again you can make mistakes, you can go to an experience and be like, wow, that wasn't what I thought it was. And then make better choices in your life and make better choices for other people. So just this past fall, I went to a rodeo. Um, so for anyone that, you know, if you don't know about me, I'm a big animal person. I love animals. In an earlier episode, we talked about how I got cage-free eggs at my school um, because I didn't want my school to have like abusive factory farm meat and stuff. So I was a big animal person. And I was in New Mexico and called my friends like the rodeo is in town. We should go. Like the rodeo is a big thing. I'm like, yeah, like I've never, I've never been to a rodeo. It seems, seems fine. Like I, I don't know. I just seem fine. Like I feel like I had pictures of like people on the horses and the barrel racing and it just didn't, I've never, I have never been exposed to any sort of undercover tape or report or anything that's like this is why rodeos are abusive to animals and I think too the like the concept for a lot of rodeo activities is it's like the person training with the horse or like training with bulls and like the bull and you have this idea that like the bulls are just bucking or the the broncos are just bucking to on knock their own. The, yeah, yeah and like to knock the person off their back yeah. like they're just like annoyed that this person's on the, like, oh, it's yeah. fine <laughs> Like, whatever. And I think, too, like, I even, I'm sure someone's gonna be like, I can't believe she thought this, but it's fine. Like, I even thought, like, the lassoing of the baby cows. I was like, it's just a, like, you know, there, it, did, it didn't look like from things I've seen in movies, because that's really my only exposure to rodeos is like seeing it in a movie. It doesn't look that awful. And I'm sure it's underplayed in a, in a movie. Yeah, I. <laughs> It was bad. The whole time I was there, I was like, I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. And so I did watch the whole rodeo. I was trying to make friends. So I felt weird leaving. Um, but the only reason I'm glad I stayed is because it has really affirmed for me, like never going to one, encouraging people to never go to a rodeo. Um, so the first event, I don't know what they're called. So <laughs> the first event is basically you had um, like way in the back, you have the shoot with a a calf and then you have a guy in another shoot on his horse and he's so they open the calf shoot the calf runs out and basically his goal is to rope the calf lasso the calf before it makes it to the other end and you just so the calf goes and it's booking it that calf is going it is like I am out of here 
and then the lasso goes and you just see when it gets the calf around the neck I guess I never processed that's where it ended up like I don't know why and around the neck and just whips it back (gasps) like oh my like some calves were like off their feet you know and then on top of that like that's not the end of it then the guy gets off his horse goes over and like wraps the calf's feet and just like bangs it on the ground like so that was really abusive unnecessarily abusive like it was I get like I guess like when I pictured it was like wherever the lasso ended up and then the calf just stopped not like this whipping and I definitely didn't know about the the thrashing on the ground so that was awful and the only (laughs) my friends and I did and it was the two girls I was with also too were like this is starting to get like weird and there was one point where one of the calves they let a calf out and it was too fast for the guy for the guy trying to lasso it so it made it to the other end without getting lassoed and the whole time my friends and I were like yeah like go 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 <laughs> and the there was a guy behind us who's like that's not what you want to happen I was, and we were like yes it is <laughs> like go 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 so we were cheering for the calves um so that happened so that was a little bit uncomfortable and then here's another event that is similar where it's again it's the lasso but around the horns of like a bull and that's like a 700 pound animal that's getting like yanked and then tossed to the ground and so when I was doing some research too like there is a lot of really bad injury that happens to an animal that large tripping over itself so that was again like you don't really you don't think about it too much at the time and then doing the research I was like oh god um and then okay but then I'm like okay but the 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 bronco bucking and the bull bucking like they're just annoyed that the guy is on their back like like they're you know they're just trying to get him off and so it's more likely the person is going to get hurt than the bull and the horse nope so there's so I'm watching it and then you're like what is on like so for people who ride horses, there's a thing called a girth and that's what goes underneath the horse's stomach to hold the saddle on. And it's like, fine, they don't mind it, whatever. But I'm like, why are there two? Like, what is on this other horse that the guy, like this other horse that's like way far back. And I'm like looking and it's literally this rope like near its crotch. And it was so weird and I couldn't figure it out at the time. And so the most alarming thing to me at the time was that the horse, the Bronco that's bucking, when it knocks the guy off, then two other men on horses basically have to go. And that's when I process it. They go, they get to this bucking Bronco, and then they unlatch whatever this rope was and pull it off. So I couldn't figure out what it was at the time. But I was definitely at the time like, those two other horses are going to get kicked by that bucking Bronco. And like, that's it was pretty scary. I did not, I felt bad for those horses too. Um, and then you come to find out that this rope that's on the bull and the bucking Bronco is basically like rubbing against their balls or like their genitalia to make them uncomfortable to buck. And again, like in the research I did, it's like an excessive amount of bucking. So it's not even like, Oh my God. It's not how they literally they're literally squeezing their balls. It's like squeezing or rubbing or like something. I don't know. But, and then one of the, um, you would think that the cowboy guys on their back would have a little bit of friggin' sympathy, man. 
yeah so that was so afterwards I was like okay that was worse than I had ever imagined and I'm never going to that again and my friends were like yeah I don't like we were, we were all new to New Mexico and, you know, it was this whole talk all week about like the rodeos in town, you have to go. So we're like, okay, cool. And it is just, it is unpleasant. And when I was doing more research and preparation for this episode, the unpleasantness is way worse than I thought. Like at the time I was just like, ow, that hurt. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, the ball part was like the worst part, but I was like, like that sucks. But like, and then the research is like, so much worse so well, much share. worse. okay so i didn't i don't know if we're gonna get all right guys we're gonna get in the facts well, we here. are because i got more research on the circus so yeah so here's your rodeo facts so from i'm just gonna throw out a few so the animal legal defense fund said that the horses bulls steers and calves um common injuries that are suffered are broken ribs broken backs and legs torn tails punctured lungs internal organ damage ripped tendons torn ligaments and snapped necks so a myriad of things that also when i was researching you don't realize are also things that happen so like the calves it's not just like they pulled a bunch of calves the calves that get lasso it's not like they pulled out a bunch of calves and then they're like here they go run they do this training with them like over and over and over so the calves are actually injured before they show up at the event and there was like several um, studies to the just or like reports that talked about um, uh, like calves basically getting practiced on so much that then they don't actually go to the real rodeo because they're so hurt from the practice and so that was like really alarming to me um, and one of the, so what I just was talking about the bucking straps so it says the bucking straps burn the animal's abdomen and groin area causing him to buck and can lead to back and leg injuries because it's basically like an unnatural thing they're trying to do. And with the horses, one of the things they found is because they're so irritated and they're so like trying to get this thing off, they're like running around blind or bucking blind where they're actually like running into posts and walls and things because they're just not paying attention because they're so focused on getting this thing off of them. So that was like, I didn't see that. Um, but that was really, yeah. I, and, and the thing that I didn't, that you don't realize and you don't see, and this is what I think was pretty alarming to me as well. I mean, this is all alarming just so anyone knows I'm not saying anything is less alarming. Um, but, a report by shark. So we've actually Delaware river keeper network. We've worked with shark, which is, um, showing animals, respect and kindness, great organization that does a lot of great organization. Work. Yeah. Um, so shout out to you guys. They did a really extensive rodeo report, which I encourage anyone to go look at. It's full of links and different places and all that stuff. And so they had a report um, by Peggy Larson, who's a vet and a rodeo vet. And she said in calf roping, which is that thing I was talking about where they lasso them and slam them down. Baby calves weighing less than 300 pounds are forced to run at speeds in excess of 25 miles per hour when they are roped. The reason they run at such high speeds is that they are being tortured in the holding chute. So this is what you don't see at a rodeo. Oh my God. Yeah. So that where that like thing is that opens up and they yeah. run out, you can't see what's going on in there. So like, I just assume the calf is just in there like chilling. Like he's just waiting. His friends are at the other end of the, the oh thing. And he's like, I'm just going to try and beat this dude to go see my friends. 
um, so is being tortured in the holding chute. Their tails are twisted. Their tails are rubbed back and forth over the steel bars of the chute, and they are shocked with electric prods until the gate opens. They burst out of the chute at top speed only to be stopped short, clotheslined with a choking rope around the neck. They are often injured and some, some are killed. These calves would still be with their mothers on the pasture if they were not in the rodeo. So that last part is, yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, literally, you are literally taking a baby. Yeah. You are literally taking a baby and you are scaring the crap out of it yeah. and you are abusing it and you are hurting it so that it runs away so that you can just catch it again in order to hurt it and abuse it in other ways in the moment. And then the next day, hurt it and abuse it and frighten it all over again. Yeah. On the And the, another vet was saying, so Dr. TK Hardy, this is also in the report, a veterinarian who was, who was a former calf rover, um, was quoted in Newsweek saying um, that, so he said, calf roping is an expensive sport. Why? Because two or three calves are injured in each practice session and have to be replaced. So like, first off, I hate when it's like, they have to be replaced. Like it's an animal. It's a living thing. It's not a fucking, <laughs> sorry. It's like not, it's not the lasso that has, it's an animal. It's dead. So say two or three calves die. Like you're not, and then we have to bring in new ones to torture. So I didn't really, you know, after reading it, I didn't know that's what was going on in the shoot. Like I just assumed the calf was like, I just want to get away from this guy. But it's just, it's like being tormented so that it runs away. So it's so like, grotesquely the word interesting is not grotesquely parallel when you when you think about and look at what's happening in the circus world in terms of the the level of abusiveness right so there too you're here now you're talking about wild animals not the wild animals right feel more or less than than the calves and abused domestic animals um but you know these are animals used to to roaming huge wide spaces, right? And having their freedom and, you know, a whole entirely different life. And they are taken from that life. Maybe, maybe they were born in captivity, so they never get to experience that life. That doesn't mean they don't have the natural urge for that. And then they are at the circus. They are put in these small spaces for purposes of transport. And also when they're not practicing, right? They're in their their small spaces, the elephants are shackled up. And then the way they, um, they train them is through intimidation and abuse. And so they use things like whips, they use things, right? Like, um, what do, what do, what do they, they call them? A bull hook. Um, electric prods, bull hooks, a bull hook. Yes. A bull hook. Annika, describe a friggin' bull hook. It looks like kind of like the fancy canes you see people have with like the curved over mm -hmm. gold. And so it's basically from, again, like PETA undercover videos are a thing now. It's basically like the guy will take it. I mean, some they'll smack the elephants and all that stuff. But a lot of times what they'll do is they'll take it and they'll like loop it over their ear from what I've seen yeah. so they can like pull them. So, yeah. So it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a sharp thing that you can injure with, but we're going to start with just that they use them electric prods, muzzles, tight collars, whips in order to intimidate and abuse these animals to train over and over and over again, these unnatural acts. 
bikes, right? Like bears riding bicycles and things like that, which is um, apparently very uncomfortable and sometimes very painful for these animals, right? To undertake, it's an unnatural use of their body. And so they're being forced to do this in the training over and over and over again. And then of course, in the show and the way this training happens is in this incredibly abusive way. And then to make them perform in the show, again, you know, they might be whipping them, they might be prodding them, they might be jabbing them with the, the, the bull hook, all of these things in order to force them to undertake this behavior that they don't want to that they don't want to undertake. Apparently, when it comes to primates, it's even harder to train them because they are so resistant to it. Um, and that when it comes particularly to baboons, that they really use beatings and intimidation and punishment. Right. That's how they treat, they train them just kind of like you do with an abused child. Right. When you have a, a mother or a father or a parent or a caretaker trying to that's abusive to their child that wants to get them to do things. How do they do that? They do that through beatings. They they do that through intimidation. They do that through fear tactics. Um, that's exactly what they do with these with these animals. Um, I would love to just like see those interviews of the people they hire, because when I've seen like the videos, you just look at these people and you're like, that person could be a serial killer. That person is definitely a of psychopath. Course. Like there's so little emotion from that person. And obviously to be abusive to a person or an animal, you have to be that type of person. So like, I would just love to see like, who is ring? How are these interviews going? Basically like, um, so question, could you not um, shed a tear if you had to smack an elephant across the face? No. You feel good about that? Okay, great. You're hired. No, I mean, really horrifying. They also talk about how, um, you know, of course, with some of the more dangerous animals, they remove their teeth and claws. You know, here, you're in a circus, right? You're so brave. You're this brave trainer of these wild animals. No, you're friggin' not. You're torturing them. They have no teeth. They have no claws. And you have weapons that you use against them. You are not brave. You are just a whimpering asshole with power. I mean- (sighs) And then, you know, so again, just like you said with the, with the rodeo, some of the stories. So this one actually, Carson and Barnes Circus, remember that name. And what's another? Clyde Bailey, Clyde Beatty Cole Brothers Circus. You mentioned Ringling Brothers, right? These are a few of the circuses um, that do this kind of thing. So at the Carson and Barnes Circus, there were, there was a report um, where they would sink the bull hook into, oh yeah, one trainer told the other trainers to sink the bull hook into the flesh of the elephant and twist it until they cry out in pain, right? That's, that's one story. Um, Another story, and this was the Clyde Beatty Cole brothers where, and, and, you know, this is all, as you said, this is all witness. This is all documented. Often this kind of stuff is videotaped where an elephant um, named Pete refused to perform. And so after the show, what did they do? They took Pete to another tent. They laid Pete down and five trainers beat Pete with bull hooks. Right. Like these are like, these are the, these are the brave men. Right. Um, And so like you, this is, this is um, actually comes from um, a source treehuggers.com. 
Um, and actually, Annika, I think we're looking to talk to them sometime down the road. This seems like a really interesting organization. Here's some of the reporting that 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 they have. Um, they that that they talk about how with elephants, and now I'm going to be reading, the abuse begins when they are babies to break their spirits. Mm -hmm. All four of the baby elephants' legs are chained or tied for up to 23 hours per day. While they are chained, they are beaten and shocked with electric prods. It can take up to six months before they learn that struggling is futile. The abuse continues into adulthood and they are never free of the bull hooks that puncture their skin. Bloody wounds are covered with makeup to conceal them from the public. And then of course, you know, and they note this, but we, you hear about this all the time, right? It's like some animal goes crazy, an elephant, they turn on their trainers and injure mm -hmm. or kill their trainers. And then what's the response? We're going to kill the elephant because mm -hmm. somehow the elephant is bad rather than understanding, right, that it was responding to an abusive situation. But they also want to make, um, you know, point out in this report, right, there's, there's a lot of attention that does get focused on, on elephants, I guess for a whole boatload of reasons, but just thinking about some of the other animals, they talk about how, the, uh, this is according to Big Cat Rescue, um, often the cats are beaten, starved, and confined for long periods of time in order to get them to cooperate. Most of a cat's life, now these are, these are lions and tigers, these are not cats, most of it, mm -hmm. and not that it would be okay with a domestic cat either, but most of a cat's life is spent in a circus wagon in the back of a semi-truck or in a crowded stinking box, box car on a train or on a barge. And then Animal Defenders International, um, in this report done by Tree Huggers, they talk about the dancing bears. And they say that the, according to Animal Defenders International, that the dancing bears spend around 90% of their time shutting cages inside a trailer. Their time outside these miserable prison cells generally averages just 10 minutes a day on weekdays and 20 minutes on weekends. I just like, it's just awful. And it just like, I think people have been sold this narrative for so long because like you do have real great places like sanctuaries where there is somebody who has a great symbiotic relationship with the rescued animal. And like that happens and that's great. And we love when we can see it in those positive environments. But the unfortunate narrative that is sold by circuses is that that's the case with the elephant, the tiger, the bear trainer, like, oh, well, they're doing it because they're getting treats and because we're friends and because they want to do it. And like, nope, it's like being tortured. And then, yeah, you know, there's a narrative like that they get to go hang out and relax afterwards, like BS. Yeah, it's not like you're, it's not like the way people train, well, decent people train their dogs, right, with treats as you said, and affection and toys, like positive rewards so that they actually ultimately end up doing it because it's a, you know, it's that reward situation. This really is an avoid abuse, avoid intimidation, avoid torture, torture. This is torture and it is fundamentally 100% wrong on every, and the interesting thing and this is not interesting it's gross 
you know, how here in the United States, everybody likes to say, oh, the United States, we're the front of the line on everything. Well, when it comes to the environment, left, right, and center, the environment is definitely not at the front of the pack in terms of protecting the environment and protecting people. And they surely are not when it comes to animal welfare. And so according to this one report, actually in 2009, Bolivia, Bolivia, became the first country in the world to ban all animals in circuses. Mm. And then in 2011 and 2012, China and Greece, right? People like to say, oh, China's so horrible. Oh, China's so horrible. Well, you know, on this issue, China's paying attention. And the United Kingdom banned the use of wild animals in circuses, but has continued to allow domesticated animals. Here in the United States, there has been um, a piece of legislation proposed, the Federal Traveling Exotic Animal Protection Act, which would ban the, the use of non-human primates, elephants, lions, tigers, and other species in circuses. But when did it pass, Annika? Never. I don't, I <laughs> not. It has not passed. So, um, but there apparently are some towns uh, across the U.S., um, that have banned circuses within their town. So, you know, thinking about something that you can do, right? One, you can, you can support the organizations that are doing the work to stop the circuses, to stop the rodeos, to raise public awareness. Um, we've mentioned some of the organizations here today. Okay, organizations like PETA, like A Animal Defenders International, um, treehuggers.com. This is an organization that's raising awareness. I'm not sure how involved they are in stopping this, but that's where I got some of this information. Shark. We talked about Shark. We know Shark's a great organization because Annika and I have personally worked with Shark uh, on the Delaware River in order to stop the live pigeon shoots at the Philadelphia Gun Club, which continue to go on to this day legally. We should have a show on the live pigeon shoots horrifying, horrifying, horrifying activity carried on by horrifying people at the Philadelphia Gun Club. Philadelphia Gun Club, Bucks County, PA, out them, horrible people. But Shark, great people working with us. So anyway, so get involved with, with, with these kinds of organizations. Support them with your dollars, support them with your donations, support them with your advocacy. But this idea of, you know what? You, you go to your local town council. And if your, your town is one of the places where a circus comes, I don't think ours is. I don't think there's a space for a circus. But if your mm -hmm. town is a place where a circus comes, go and get your town to ban circuses that use animals from coming to your town. That is accessible. That is something you can, um, you know, you can organize at the local level. You could go to your town council. You can do your research. You can do your advocacy. You can get your friends and neighbors involved and you can demand the passage of a ban at the local level. That's meaningful. The more towns that pass these kinds of bans, right, that contributes to the movement. It contributes protection. It shuts down the opportunity for dollars to these kinds of abusive operations. And you're really helping to advance important and powerful progress. So that's something you can do. Um, and you can get started on right away if you want to take on this issue. Yeah, I mean, that's super. And if you can't be successful in getting it banned, do 
like you just saw my mom went to a circus and because she got you just heard how she went to a circus and how she got a pamphlet and how it opened her eyes to like the realities of the situation go and print out some pamphlets i'm sure plenty of these organizations have easy stuff that you can print out print out some pictures just go stand there and even have a poster and just like put out three points of to what they do get your group of friends it only takes a small group to like five people (laughs) yeah and you can do it outside the event right you can do it if there's an event going on that's that's i think very impactful because you're really hitting the people that you know are going to these kinds of things either um because they don't care or because they're uninformed but you also if that's not your thing you don't have to go to the event right you can print out those pamphlets and share them with your neighbors right um you know, do stuff on social media, send an email, print out one of these documents, send an email to your family and friends and say, hey, don't know if you, you know, go to the circus or let your kids go to the circus, but please don't. And here's why. Um, It's all very accessible. Uh, It's just about us as you, you know, raising up your voices. And, And I'm glad you pointed that out, Annika. That's really why I wanted to share my awakening story because it really was somebody who took an evening to stand outside a circus and literally just hand out information. And it impacted me. Um, and hopefully it's, and it impacted you. And hopefully it's impacting some of our listeners. Um, and I think because too, maybe they didn't know. And I think too, if you want to be that person that stands outside and you're like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to yell at people. I don't want to make people feel bad. Or like, I've been to a circus. I can't make feel people feel bad. Activists don't have to be shouting and screaming. You could literally just go up to someone so nicely who's walking into a circus and just say, hey, if you're going in, I think you should read this. And just that's what they did to me. Yeah, that's it. Nobody was yelling. Nobody was chanting. There was no aggression. It was actually somebody came up very nicely, very openly and earnestly, just like you said, Annika. You just got to talk to people. I mean, that's that's and or educate people in your everyday life. Like, there's, again, as we always say on the show, there's lots of different ways to do activism. And so I feel like to close out, I would like to have a little feel good story too, for people just to explain. I'm sure many people know, first off, every animal is deserving of love and respect. And the fact that people would be horrified if they saw kittens getting lassoed and slammed to the ground does not mean you should feel, means that you should not feel less horrified when calves and full grown cows and bears and all that are being tortured in the same way so but elephants as we know are super emotionally intelligent and so it's also to me it's also very alarming when another human being is so like yeah like torturing and it feels psychological like like that person is a psychopath if you're torturing an elephant because there's so much emotion and elephants are my favorite animal um there's so much emotion i find in them but so there's this so if you're like Well, I don't know. There's a story of a man, his name is Lawrence Anthony. And Lawrence lived in South Africa. And basically he was known as the elephant whisperer because if you don't know, there's lots of reserves, um, animal reserves in Africa. And one of the big problems is when the animals leave the reserve, they're no longer protected by, um, usually there's soldiers and stuff roaming the reserve to protect them from poachers. And once they leave the reserve, there's nothing really the government or the soldiers can do. So Lawrence, through his kindness and literally talking and gestures to the elephants had managed to convince many troops of the elephants to stay within the reserve. There were so many problems with them leaving, but because of what he did, they stopped leaving the reserve. And so unfortunately in 2012, he died of a heart attack. And 
the elephants that he spoke with, I'm going to say talk to them. You know, I don't care if you guys think I'm crazy. You talk to animals. They hear you. They understand you. And you can create a relationship. Um, obviously, don't walk up to any elephant in Africa. I'm not saying that. This is an experienced person who really built that up. I am not saying we do a grizzly man situation here. Um, but anyways, he, um, the elephants that he had worked with, both herds, one is called Nana. Um, so Nana and her herd and many others traveled over 12 hours on the day of his funeral and spent two days at his home to mourn him. And then this article from World of Buzz says, if you think that's the only time that Nana and her herds, her herds stood vigil for Lawrence, think again. This is because they have always traveled 12 hours every year on the 2nd of March to pay their respects to Lawrence. So even years after this man's death, these elephants still travel from far and wide to come visit his home, to visit their friend, to pay respect. So that's a, I mean, all animals, again, all animals are deserving, but like, if that doesn't warm your heart and make you sit here and go, I can't believe another human being then could take a hook and stick it into an animal and twist it back and forth, like, come on. So I was reading that before and I have always had respect for elephants, but that was a story I'd never heard of. Um, so just a reminder of how great they are and all animals. <laughs> that's really, that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. Makes me want to cry. Yeah, but it makes, me, it, it makes me so sad to think about how mean people are to one another, how mean they are to animals, how mean they are to children, how mean they are oh, to other adults, how just how mean they are. Yeah, but but also how good they are, right? Not the mean people. The mean people suck. The mean people are always mean. They need to go away. Um, but the good people, right? The good people like you, Annika, and like our listeners and like Rachel Dawn Davis, who's been on the show with us and, you know, Mary Pat Tomei and all these people who are just doing good things. Nicole Alonovich, right? Taking her experience and using it for change. You know, if you haven't heard any of these episodes of the podcast, these are amazing people doing amazing things. So, you know, it's also as horrifying as some people are. So many more people are good and caring and just we all over different issues need somebody to help open our eyes. And so we hope that with this episode, we opened your eyes to an issue of concern that maybe you hadn't thought about, you hadn't thought about for a while, you weren't aware of, and hopefully you can help us change this part of our world that is cruel and abusive and turn it into something good, caring and giving by saying, and the circuses and the rodeos and support things like Cirque du Soleil that create jobs for other people who need them. Exactly. And like I said at the beginning, we talk about very serious stuff because that's what you have to do, but we end each of, and every episode reminding people that there's always change that each and every one of us can do, whether you just sign your name to a petition whether you're sitting at dinner and you just go, hey, I listened to this great podcast and they talked about their personal experiences and they gave some great facts and this is why you should not go to a circus and this is why I don't think rodeos should be a thing. Like that is so much change can start in so many small ways. So again, we encourage you all to do that, to take action, big or small. And as always, we are... <laughs> Uh, two nonprofits, Delaware Riverkeeper Network and Green Amendments for the Generation, both on the forefront of protecting the environment and the people who rely on our planet, which is everybody, FYI. 
Um, I love how some people will like to pretend that they don't breathe the same air, but like we all do. Um, so the way you can support green amendments for the generation, A, how do I describe? I, what's the word? Like just a unique, amazing, different organization, unlike any other fighting to get you a constitutional right to clean air, pure water, and healthy environment as strong as your right to free speech. That's right, people. You have a right to free speech, but not a right to breathe clean air. <laughs> Crazy. Wrong. Wrong. Um, so go to www.forthegenerations.org, sign a petition, make a donation, and don't forget to follow our podcast on Instagram at Green Jeans and subscribe on Spotify, follow us on YouTube, all that good stuff that you can do. And with that, we will end this week's show and encourage you to stay connected. And if you have any show ideas, um, whether it be topics for us to cover, you're interested in our opinions, um, or people that we should be speaking with, we ask you, please, please, please share, 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 slide get in our, active. Slide in our DMs, guys, at Green Jeans Pod, slide in those DMs. Don't even know what that means, but sure, <laughs> if you know what that means, it's do that. <laughs> generational activism people (laughs) all righty with that gotta go work on the second edition of the green amendment book coming out next fall until next time until next time